Hi, everybody. It's Richard Zwicky with High on Healthy. And joining us today, we've got Sarah Vaughn, who's the VP brand leader of Remind, which is running a psychedelics business forum in partnership with MJ BizCon at the Westgate Las Vegas, November 28th and 29th of this year. And uh, just as a side note, we're going to have a number of participants on the show over the next little while. But Sarah is going to explain to us a little bit about how the Remind show came to exist and what its focus is and who really should attend to learn more about the psychedelics industry. Welcome on board, Sarah. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. So, Sarah, the, um, you know, MJ Biz has existed for a number of years and it's got a really strong following in the cannabis community with regards to people learning. And Remind has been set up almost in parallel, but within MJ Biz as a focus on the psychedelics industry. What spurred the creation of that event or the forum within it? And what can people expect? Yeah. So Remind really started out um, as a launch brand within a larger portfolio. So Emerald Expositions is our parent company that also owns MJ BizCon. Uh, and so when Emerald decided to get into the breakthrough medicine space at the time, we decided um, to create Remind, which is where I came on. And we wanted to focus it on specifically on the helping to advance the business of psychedelics and to be both a year-round resource for the business community. So we provide year-round content, special reports, webinars, um, insightful interviews year-round. And then um, once a year with NJ BizCon, we created the forum. So this is our second year. Um, we launched in partnership with MJ BizCon because we had um, our parent company had just acquired MJ BizCon right when we were getting right. ready to launch. So it kind of made sense. We also knew there would be a lot of what I call the cannabis curious um, audience that really, you know, are were curious about what are the opportunities. And we knew that there would be a lot of education because they are so different. So we thought that was a great opportunity to educate that community while they're already in Las Vegas while creating content for those specifically interested in, in learning more about what are the opportunities in psychedelics. And so that's why we're in partnership. So we're at the Westgate Resort and Hotel. It's a two-day event this year. So the first day is during the pre-show forum day at MJ. And then um, our day two will, will overlap with their day one of, of Expo. So um, we're really focused on you know giving people practical business advice. A lot of our content is very much focused around the state level um, opportunities that exist so people can come and learn about what's coming down the pipeline that will be um, obviously all the psilocybin and then coming up hopefully soon MDMA um, but everything from what are the opportunities what's legal what's not what's going on with the gifting gray market um, obviously we have we have one full state Oregon Colorado is still going through regulatory rules um, so anything from what's can I do with my mushrooms? Can I make product? Can I sell it? Can I gift it? What's legal? Um, how do I open a, a ketamine clinic? And if I already, ha or if I have one running, when can I add MDMA to that and psilocybin to that service? Um, so it's a lot of practical, practical business advice. And we'll have a lot of people who are in Oregon, the first people to get their license cultivating, um, the cultivating license. So we'll have a lot of great takeaways from people that are kind of the first to to do it and hear what's working, what's not, and what are the challenges. Um, so it should be a really good good two days of education. It, it should be really phenomenal. And, you know, one of the interesting things about the psychedelics industry is there is a complete different path that's going through government um, around the world. And, you know, there's a variety of reasons for that, but uh, there is an FDA approval 
process and pipeline, and there's many state initiatives. And there's a, it's more organized in many ways than the cannabis industry was in at the similar stage. And so I'm sure the, the uh, participants have very different questions because the business itself is, and is more rational. And I don't mean that in any uh, way against anything in the cannabis industry. It's the cannabis industry really had been a wild west where we had to break down every single barrier and build everything from scratch without any guidance. Whereas this industry has a lot more guidance. So the people who are coming out and the people uh, to, to the show would also be able to present must be able to give much more tangible, precise guidance than they would have otherwise. How? Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I think a lot of people are that were in cannabis that have moved over. I think in general, no one wants it to turn out like the cannabis industry. It's not a cannabis 2.0. Right. Um, so I think it's, you know, we're, we're early enough to continue to have those conversations so that we don't go down that same path. Um, and it is very, very different too. I think we're kind of where medical cannabis was 10 years ago almost and how that started. And then it went straight to like adult rec for for cannabis. And I think most people in the psychedelic space are very much mission oriented. It's more spiritual led. Yes, there's some people that are trying to like turn a quick profit, but most every person that I've met and especially the ones that are really succeeding are really doing it um, from the heart and have really big goals to do it and they and they definitely don't want it to turn out um they don't a lot of people don't want it to be just a, a rec a recreational thing they want it to be a yes and or they want it to be um you know in cannabis you can smoke weed all day long if you want to you, you'll never need to do that with psychedelic medicine you know no you you really can't either <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah you really um, shouldn't <laughs> yeah but you know that's all that's all one of the interesting things about the cannabis industry globally is it is very different inside the u.s than outside where the focus mm. outside the rest of the world has always been on medical and you know adult use happens but it hasn't been the priority and the central focus of the businesses whereas in the u.s for the longest period medical was just a euphemism for how do we get our hands on recreational um and there has been, you know, some wellness and um, medical in the U.S., but it's not the same as everywhere else in the world. Whereas psychedelics is being approached much as the early cannabis operators did around what's the benefit to me as an individual for my health, and that is has been fascinating. And it's also fascinating that all of the stakeholders are aligned, which wasn't the case with cannabis. Yeah, uh, that's a really great. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So as you're going through and seeking, you know, the participation of speakers and people are going to be informing, you've got people who are authorities on taxes and banking and, you know, how to market the products, things that really have been massive challenges for people in the cannabis industry. How are you seeing the um, opportunity on the other side? Yeah, that's a great question. I think right now and i don't know if it's just because it's early but especially on the marketing side i think it's actually easier to market in this field than than on the cannabis side right now the cannabis gets flagged all the time lots of banking issues um so right now especially if you're like on the clinic side or doing something like that you don't really have too too many obstacles um besides price point and insurance which then goes into you know expansion of access and things like that but from just a pure marketing 
perspective um, and setting up your like actual business, there's a pretty decent pathway. Um, definitely a lot of good. Um, I mean, we'll have people talking about exactly how to set up your taxes, and then we'll get into licensing. Uh, we'll have insights from a lot of da different data input of who is the customer today and, and how do you get to them. We have um, Chris Walden from Ketamine Media, who specifically does advertising and targets for ketamine clinics. So he'll have a lot of great insights, too, of how they're navigating the the current pathways with what's going on there. But I do think it is like, um, better and easier than what is currently happening on the cannabis side, um, for sure. You also will have an easier time in your background with brand is uh, ties right into this. In cannabis, the operators try and build brands on a state by state basis, but you have you don't always have the same uh, compounds and molecules from one state to the other because of the ver variation in the plant itself. Whereas with the psychedelics, you're much more focused into specific molecules, so you have that standardization. As somebody who comes from a brand building background. Are you seeing that as being a big difference in how the industry is being approached, looked at, and how people are exploring the opportunities? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I hadn't really thought about the compound part, but you're right. Cannabis is very segmented state by state um, with all the different rules and restrictions. And so, yeah, I think the state by state on psychedelics is definitely more on the legalities of what they can do, but from a compound uh, um, regulatory stuff, it's definitely going to be a way more streamlined. Um, and especially with once you get into the the FDA approval pipeline, all of that will definitely be, be regulated and rolled out. Um, it'll be rolled out really quickly too, is the other thing. So I think a lot of the um, efforts right now are being, you know, looking to like train enough therapists, open enough, you know, clinics. And so when these do come online on the FDA side to be ready to roll them out, because it'll be, it'll be a quick and, and a broad rollout to your point. Absolutely. Yeah. And it'll, you, you touch on the point about the therapist and that's been one, uh, very valuable aspect of the clinics is, you know, having spoken to quite, a, quite a lot of them and we've had a number of them on the show, they are tying in therapists, um, directly into the program at every single stage, or at least most of them are. And that is ties back to the true medical nature of it and helping people with healing mental injuries and the, the aspect of healing mental injuries is something that isn't really talked about outside of this industry with regards to um you know cannabis or anything else but it is incredibly valuable what sort of um information are you able to provide through the research reports and at sessions with regards to that one aspect of what a both a patient should be looking for, but also an operator should be providing. Yeah, that's a great question. I think we have one, um, a couple of different dedicated sessions. We have one that specifically just talks about um, harm reduction, things to look out for. We have a couple of different operators um, that some of them started as nurse practitioners and started on the side, um, and they all definitely come from more of a medical background. I mean, some of them are the operators but they're also still doing all the intake calls because they want to make sure everything is asked properly and there's procedures in place so all those procedures of how to run the clinic from the very beginning of just the intake questions in the very beginning is super super important so we definitely have sessions dedicated to that and you'll hear from these people who are have been doing it and what they do and do they allow people to take an uber home or do they have to have someone with them and all the different protocols that really should be in place i mean they're still being formed it's not they're not all there yet. Um, so I think 
that's a huge learning for people that are looking to get into the space. Um, and then also just like, what is the protocol for your therapists? How much training do they need? Do they need to have done their own experience? All of that, all those things come into play. So I think, you know, again, there'll probably be a lot more questions that come out of this too, but you'll definitely hear um, from people in the space that are running clinics and are trying to expand on what they're doing and um, how they're setting up their their offerings, um, especially around that. And then what, you know, is it ongoing education? How is it, is it two therapists to one? What's the ratio? And on all of that different stuff. But there's definitely um, a lot of learnings to be to be heard there. And um, I hope we get, you know, lots of questions around that too. It's super important on, because, you know, you don't want, we you know, one bad, you know, session. Bad of, and everybody hears about it, right? And it's, yes. nobody needs that. Yeah, so we have a lot of different discussions around safety. Um, we have a whole thing. I think Josh Hardman from Psychedelic Alpha is doing, um, oh, what is the session called? And it's sort of about like just like moral panic and how to make sure, you know, like other countries are now seeing upticks in emergency visits with different people having psychedelic episodes and then taking everyone back. So I think everyone feels that they need to be very responsible. And that's definitely part of our message is being aware and responsible of how these get rolled out because it is still needs to be there's like the, there's the most interest there's ever been worldwide but it still de- needs to be destigmatized there still needs to be education around it um we're still in a very like critical place in terms of rolling it out and getting this to the mainstream so um yeah definitely lots of safety education and lots of stuff from from different clinic operators and um, a lot of people we have some people talking about training programs and all the different options around that as well yeah, and you brought up a good point, which is, you know, the emergency room visits. And uh, we had uh, felt Justin Townsend, I think his name was, with Micro Meditations on recently. And one of their things in there, they do one-week retreats down in Jamaica with three doses, but they always make sure the first dose is relatively small so that you can establish a baseline of what is tolerable for you. So you don't have that emergency room visit. Because a lot of times when, you know, that occurs, it's people just go too hard, too fast. And they don't moderate and learn along the way. And that's incredibly valuable for the business operators to start thinking about today because it is a reputational issue for themselves and the industry. It's also, of course, there's liabilities, which nobody wants to have to deal with down the road. And that's incredibly valuable for people to think about as they're going forward. Let's let's take a little bit of a tangent with regards to it. And one of the things you do present and look at at the uh, show as well is you know, who is today's psychedelics consumer? And um, there must be some really interesting data and trends that are coming out, both in terms of which states are adopting the demographics and ages, but also rural versus urban. What are some big high-level trends you're seeing? Oh, wow. Yeah, we have, um, we actually will have two kind of really interesting data sets that will be talked about at the event. Um, I mean, uh, sorry, Bethany Gomez from the Brightfield Group has a lot of US based research and data points. And then Philip Lucas from Savvy Mind, he has actually done the largest global survey of users and demographics and psychedelics. And he, um, I don't even know if he's actually published it yet. It might be just right before um, the next couple of weeks, but he'll be presenting People more. People should show up at the conference to hear the latest data because until then, yes. I won't be out. Yes, exactly. They gotta, yes. gotta sell that session. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think people are just it's it, it's obviously a lot of the younger generation was what we're seeing, and it's right. um, I think now more than ever, people. I think there's I forget this the exact stat, but there's 
a large amount of people using it more and more recreationally than ever before, which is really interesting. And so I think people are going to be interested to see the the people that are just ex- want to experience it recreationally, the people that are using it and want to discover the microdosing and what's going to help me and you know be a better professional, a better person, more creative. And then there's the the people that also are, are just like I'm very interested, but I'm waiting until the FDA approves it. You know, so I think. You know, there's a lot of conversation around the, the different business models, and um, you know, there's a need for for both um, both different models. You want people to be able to go and get the white coat and get the medicine, and then also they want to go to a ceremonial or do something more spiritual. You'll see a lot of interest around that as well. Yeah, there's and there's very different purposes for those two different tracks because one is, in some, many ways, is often used to address abuse, PTSD, trauma things that have happened to you in your life so that you can reconcile, accept, and move forward and really um, be able to see the benefits of other forms of therapy as well. And the other Mm -hmm. is a spiritual awakening. When you're beyond those things, you're taking the next step in your own discovery of you, your life, and the life around you. And that it's interesting to see how those two uh, do come together. They're neither recreational, but some people do sometimes refer to the the latter as recreational, even though it is it's a voyage of discovery yeah. and it is a medical it's a mental medical um, path in many ways. When you're preparing this information um, and the latest trends and the experts, how what are the things that people are looking for in terms of the competitive landscape changes as they're trying to prepare for where the industry will be in a year and two years? And I know, I think people can get a lot of additional information off your remindmedia.com website, but what are some highlights that you think people should be visiting it for and expecting from the show? Yeah, I mean, I think if people are kind of wanting to know what the landscape is from the clinic retreat, situation. We have a couple of dedicated sessions to that. We also have a special report um, that kind of gives an overview of the entire landscape of what's been happening in that space. Um, and we definitely, you know, we do a lot of different webinars throughout the year too. So we definitely have some different partners who kind of go over, um, you know, all the different resources that exist now of, of where to find these things. And um, and then on the, you know, so we kind of look at it from like, if you're opening a business, here's what the consumers are seeing. And on the back end, we have information that says, here's when, when people book these trips or here's, you know, how, you know, the different um, like price points are going on. So I think like the competitiveness on the clinic retreat side is definitely, um, it's starting to grow, but it's still pretty small. Um, and, you know, retreats are obviously much more international and um, the clinics will be, um, I don't know if, I, if that was your question, more on the like competitiveness of the clinics and, and retreat, like the state level opportunities. Yeah, no, that's, it's in- incredibly useful information for people who are looking at participating in the industry you know it's one for people who are looking for access the other is for the people who are looking to explore getting involved in the business or invest in the business to understand really in detail what's going on where and to be able to dive in now on that investors are always the ones who help open up the early stages of these industries and this is a business forum as far as expectations of participation, how do you expect it to break down in terms of people who are there for research or as investors or participants? Yeah, I would say the majority of people we get identify themselves as entrepreneurs um, or interested or investing. I think 
a lot of the investment side are more the people that are I, I think the, the institutional, the VC capital, all of that. I think everyone's seen a pretty big decline uh, this year on that side. Um, I do think people are still interested in, in knowing what's happening. I think a lot of the interesting stuff and the speakers that we specifically have around investing and fundraising are a lot more on your you know social impact investors, angel investors. Um, and kind of identifying what those needs are. We have Rebecca Nicholson from 5D, who's all social impacting and one of the very few VCs I've ever met that actually invest into the retreat model. Um, and then you hear a lot about um, some of the people that have started clinics and done what they do to fundraise and, and pay for it. Because um, I think a lot of the investment right now is definitely on the drug development biotech side, more so than the, some of the smaller business opportunities. Um, yeah, and that's you know that's in many ways influenced by the fact that there's a there's a path that's clear and it's dissimilar from what where some people went awry with cannabis and in the investing. Um, mm -hmm. People, it's for a lot of people, it's still an open wound from being so recent. You know, and there's a lot of people who've made a lot of money off the cannabis industry. There's no you know, and there's a lot of phenomenal benefits from it, but it has been really negatively impacted by government and regulation and psychedelics is a complete different animal in terms of how those institutions are approaching it. hundred percent. And I think some of the people that are, were in cannabis that might've done cannabis products. Now that I see some of them going the drug development route. Cause they're like, I want my, my stuff to be regulated. I think a lot of with the CBD market, especially like it just, it wasn't regulated. So it kind of just as a free fall. Um, so I don't, I think people don't want to see that happening, um, with all these different products. And there's definitely a lot of, um, the, fu the functional mushroom products and talk about brain health and all of that with that overlap. We'll definitely have a couple sessions with speakers who are um, succeeding very well with their products. Um, and, you know, they might be waiting for some legalization to come down the road and testing other stuff and where they can. But right now there's a lot of um, like psychoactive product that is in the space that's not actually uh, that they've removed the compounds of the, of the psychoactive component so that it's not so that it's legal, I should say. Um, so I think you'll see a lot of different opportunities too that are psychoactive is the term they're using or microdoses, right. even though those compounds have been removed. So there's kind of a lot of um, interesting products coming online with the language and how they're marketing themselves. Um, but there are some ones that are doing it correctly and ethically. And we are featuring some of those at our shows for people that are looking to invest. So if you want to invest in something now, some of those are, are going to be your better, faster ROI than doing a long-term drug development or even the clinics and, and retreats. Oh, absolutely. And you know, there's a couple of companies that are public in the space already that are incredibly undervalued, but as soon as the market catches on and to sees what they're doing, it'll be, uh, it'll be quite something for the investor and the investor gets mm -hmm. in today really will benefit, but it is because it has that clarity in the market in terms of the, uh, the paths, it's going to be a much it should be a much uh, better and more stable investment over time. Um, you know, we are getting close to the end here, but um, the form itself really is a, a phenomenal uh, segue for anybody who has been attending MJ Biz in the past, has seen what's gone right, what's gone wrong, and is looking still to make a positive uh, impact. But this is a new avenue, new channel. And one of the things I really like is, you know, the, the speaker list and the people who are coming in, they cover off patents, they cover off, um, the tax laws, they, um, how to microdose, 
better ways to operate a business and um, reference through the whole aspect. What are the things that really stand out to you as being things you would have never expected to get at one of the cannabis shows previously that you're able to bring forward much earlier, sooner, and in a much cleaner context than people would have expected? Yeah, I think, you know, for us, especially with a lot of the different events that have popped up, we are exclusively editorial driven too. So everyone that is speaking is invited there to speak around specific sessions that we curated. Um, so no one's just out there selling themselves. It's all built to create dis discussion and leave the audience like, with practical business advice. Um, and we're also just solely focused on the business component. So it's an intimate event. There's lots of networking opportunities. Um, you're basically at this hotel for two days. We feed everyone. We have events. We have networking. Um, so I think it's a great opportunity for anyone that's interested to be able to to network, meet with people. Um, if you're at MJ Biz, you get access to whichever day you want to come. Um, it's a separate ticket for anyone that's coming, but we do have different deals going on for the MJ Biz crowd. And it is because it is separate in many ways. People are staying together. That's one of the things with MJ Biz is everybody goes everywhere because it's such a huge event. This one, everybody <laughs> is concentrated. Yeah, I'm glad. Actually, it's actually a big. People think that because we're associated with them, we're really this like big thing because they're so big. But we're not. It's a very intimate. It's very focused just on the business components. The people that are there or, or have paid to be there, and it's very niche. So we have. Um, I think last year we had about. 300 and we'll probably be around three to 400 people this time. So it's still very intimate and we create an environment. Um, we're at the Westgate. So you're in, in a hotel ballroom um, and it's different networking. There's apps to engage with people, um, but it's definitely an intimate crowd. We're not, um, it's not a big general, you know, it's not a giant expo. It's a conference with networking opportunities. Um, and it's definitely a, a place to go literally interact and, and talk and meet people. It's not a giant giant expo hall or anything like that yeah i get confused but thank you for bringing that up because people are like oh wait you're not a giant you know you're not like mj bizcon and like we're we're in partnership with them it's a separate room a separate ticket or a separate um brand and and you know our own mission and, and vision of what we're trying to do specifically in the psychedelic space um it just is in partnership ideally because um there's crossover with the people there's a lot of education needed to be made of the in the cannabis space about psychedelics um, and it works for us to just be co-located with them in, in Las Vegas. No, it does. And you know, I, it's, it is an incredibly important point because you go to an MJ biz or any of the large conferences and those you, when you're going there, you need to schedule ahead and figure out exactly who you're going to see, because otherwise you're never going to find them. But an event where you've got three or 400 people that are staying together you're able to find the people you want to speak to, but you're also able to get to know, you know, there's no reason to walk away without having met everybody, but without having had a lot of meaningful conversations because with people who are talking about and looking at the same problems and issues you are. Whereas in a conference with thousands of people, that's difficult. Yeah, 100%. And we have breakout sessions too. So we have like Justin from Calix Law, who's very educated on like how to set up your taxes he's having he's, he's on a panel and then after that he's also like in a breakout session so if people literally want to go have one-on-one -on -one questions with him they have that opportunity to go do it um we have a lot of people 
Um, we have because you want to run a non start a nonprofit organization. We have a, someone who's doing amazing things in Oakland and has an amazing business model, and you can literally go talk to them after after their events. We definitely have deep dive places for discussions. We have different speakers talking about microdosing, testing. Uh, we have the National Psychedelic Association, which is really first of its kind that's focused around the supporting the businesses in the space. So they'll be speaking and then they'll also be there with a, with a table on site to answer questions and share resources of how to navigate this, um, you know, this new environment we're in. Yeah. And that's one of the really nice things about early stage industries is everybody shares because we're all trying to build it together. And it's, it's not that people won't be competitors, but we can't be competitors until we actually have an industry where everybody is able to participate in the first place. And, uh, these early stage shows are phenomenal for that. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. It's very mindful of sharing community, hundred percent. And that goes back to the, the name of the conference and event remind, right? It has so many different meanings along the way. Um, Sarah, for people who want to learn more, they can go to remindmedia.com and where else can they find out information about the show? Yes, you can also follow us on social at Remind Social. Um, and if you're also on MJ BizCon, we have a splash page on their website as well at mjbizcon.com. Well, fantastic. Um, Sarah, thanks for joining us today on High Unhealthy and love to have you on again after the conference with a wrap-up and some major learnings that were hold out from the, the event itself. Um, it's a fantastic event and it's fantastic to see it, uh, you know, it's in a second year, but to see it operating and succeeding and bringing that information and sharing the knowledge, um, I you know, encourage everybody who can to make it out and, uh, look forward to learning more about it afterwards. Unfortunately, I'm going to be at a different event, uh, halfway around the world. Otherwise I would, mm -hmm. uh, was planning on being there as well. Uh, but thank you for joining us today on High Unhealthy, and I uh, look forward to welcoming you back. Awesome. Thank you for having me. And uh, we will have people from the uh, show there to interview people on site and to learn more. And if you're going, please look for us. We're excited to get everybody's feedback. Thanks to everybody for listening, and we'll be back again with you soon. I'm Richard Zwicky.